Today, we sit down with Ghazi Ablushi talking about the music scene in Oman, auditing your emotions, and why you should stop fighting over the cookies. Welcome to Own the Future, a podcast dialoguing with creatives and entrepreneurs to better understand who we are, the work that we do, and how we will shape and own the future. And today, we have a very special guest, Razi Belushi. And Razi is the founder of Just Jams Sessions. And from the heart of Muscat, straight to your heart, wow. in beautiful melodies and limericks. That was an intense intro. Thank you. It is Razi. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. I'm, I'm stoked to have you on the show and stoked to be in your studio here in Muscat. It's such a cool spot. You're welcome anytime. The space is yours. Oh, okay, good. That's how it works. I need a, I need a place to sleep for a couple nights. Is that, is that? You and the whole family. <laughs> anytime. That's awesome. Ghazi, I, I am so impressed by the way that you have gathered creatives. And gathering creatives is like herding cats, right? They all think that their ideas are the best. They all think that they're the number one. They don't want to share they're like, I'm just going to do it solo because people need to know I'm the star. But somehow you pulled off a feat that few people are able to, and that's gathered musicians and creatives into something that's awesome in this city. We try. We're trying. Uh, it's, it's almost twice as hard as what you just explained. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, we're getting there. Uh, it's been a year and a half and the ball is still rolling and, you know, the, the group of, of creatives under the umbrellas growing um, from designers to musicians to you name it. Ghazi, I want to start off by, you know, when were you born? Where were you born? Where are your, your family from? What was life growing up? How did you get into music to start? Okay. Um, 1993, uh, June 29th. That's my birthday. So I was uh, 25 years young and um, I got into music. I'm not sure, but I started with poetry. I think uh, I picked up the guitar the first time when I was 13. And before that, I'd be writing um, all my teenage depressed poems about hating life and wanting to die. And I needed to change my family at that point. What was what was your family like growing up? Was there music in your home? Uh, Where are no. your folks from? Not a lot. So um, my parents were born and raised in Bahrain. I was born and raised here. Um, and before then, it was Baluchistan. So I'm first-generation Amani. And my family's first generation Bahraini. And before that, it was motherland. Yeah, motherland. Um, but, you know, my passport's red. I'm as Armenian as anyone else. And I love it here. It's, it's, it's a beautiful space. Oman has a lot of art everywhere you look. It's just everything's so dramatically artistic. Yeah. It's just there's so much inspiration around you. Well, it's really so, like reflective of like the landscape. Yeah, like and when you come to Muscat, it's like a gorgeous landscape, and I think part of that is reflected in the art. Absolutely, and uh, you know, I feel like wherever you live, you take your place for granted because you see tourists coming over and they appreciate everything around you, and you go like, "Oh, that old rock, it's always been there," yeah. you know. But uh, but seeing other people appreciate what's around you makes you appreciate what's around you, and then once you make that connection, everything around you is suddenly so inspiring. So. I might not come from a musical home uh, in a sense, but, uh, you know, there was so much music around me, um, especially in Amman being, you know, everything is so slow and quiet most yeah. of the time. There's so much room for you to, you know, just wander with your brain and your craft and, and find inspiration, anything around you. Yeah. Yeah. So what was kind of like that trigger that made you 
pick up a guitar? <clears throat> Um, I don't, I just always loved music. Um, I was a big rock and roll fan, uh, black nail polish and eyeliner and everything. Um, you have any photos? I, I'll just say no, because <laughs> I have a feeling you're going to attach it to the clip. Attach it. So, uh, gotta find those photos. So yeah, that was, that was a fun phase. And I just, I always loved, I don't know, uh, but my attention was hooked onto the guitar. Um, and I bought one and I figured out it's too tough to figure out. And um, so I let go of that and I focused more on my writing. And then at some point I picked it up again and three years straight, that was all I did. Learn and learn and learn and sit with people around different neighborhoods. And here how it works is musicians don't really have a space to practice. I mean, in most places that's the case. So you'd see a lot of uh, groups of guitarists sit together. You know, there's the flamenco bunch, there's the rock and roll guys, and then you've got your funky Arabic music um, players. So I'd sit with all the groups and learn bits and pieces. And it was like monkey see, monkey do kind of right. uh, approach to learning the guitar. And um, and then, then on, it was it was just a thing I did. I always played and I'd always get more people to start playing. I'd convince them this is the best thing you'll ever do in your life. Um, and then at one point, I just learned to merge my poetry with my guitar playing. And next thing you know is uh, I have original uh, songs that are mine. Did you feel like the like your family and the community, even probably your peer group, that they're like really supportive of, of you as you started off learning? Or was it like, oh, it's a phase that will pass? I don't know. I like to think um, my family is not, you know, too old school or too uh, modern in a sense. So they're kind of stuck in between. And, you know, if it seems okay, then it's okay. And if you're not harming anyone else, then and if it's not getting in the way of your obligations, yeah. whether it's uh, with home or, you know, your religious duties, then it's fine. But then again, the, the pressure of society sometimes puts a pressure on the family to put a pressure on the individual that's trying to pursue something that looks bad to society. Yeah, because um, so, music does look bad to society. Um, especially uh, this side of the world. It's funny how it works. I mean, it's just, uh, it's the way we look at things. Sometimes Armani's like what they're used to. Armani's like the past. We love it. We dwell in it. It's all we talk about. Mm. Most, I'm talking generally um, yeah. as, as a people. But once the the art form is not familiar, it automatically gets so much criticism. I know this happens all around the world, but it's so intense here. If if you're playing something or you're singing something that's not familiar to what we're used to, then we'll find any way to make what you're doing wrong, whether we link it to religion or to culture or to, you get what I mean? Yeah. So so yeah. I have I have one community that says, oh, you shouldn't be playing music because music is haram. And then you ask for context and they don't have it. And then... There's another group that accepts that music is not haram, but then has something else to use against you. And it's like, uh, you know, you're an Arab, then you should be speaking Arabic. Why do you sing in English? And then if they accept Amani's, you know, being uh, bilingual, um, they'll find something else and say, you know, um, why do you squeeze your face and sing out of your nose? <laughs> For all I care, if the sound is coming out of my bum and it sounds nice, then it's a nice song. Why can't you just relax? I mean, it's just, it's our culture. We're not a very, and I say this and I stand by it 100%. Um, oh my. Amani's, we're just not the most supportive bunch. Uh, we're lovely, we're friendly. We, you know, we don't like to uh, harm anyone so it, physically, but you know. It sounds like you're saying like people are, they see something new and they're just not sure. They're like, I don't know what this is. So are they trying, do you feel like people were trying to kind of keep you, it's probably, you know, assuming the best about people, they're trying to, you know, fence you in for your own good. 
So you think they were just looking for any excuse for uh, maybe this isn't a good idea. Oh, you're, yeah. Why not in Arabic? Oh, why do you sing like that? Why do you sing these songs? I like to give people uh, the benefit of the doubt always. And I like to think that all the offense I'm getting from the people around me is out of defense because they feel like uh, you're forcing something super new. And, and whenever something is unknown and new and fresh to you, it's scary. It sounds like uh, you're taking over our culture. People will look at you and they'll think this is what Iman is and this is not Iman. I'm not representing Iman. I'm representing, yeah. I'm not even representing myself with my music. I'm representing my taste in music. That's it. Right. Um, you know, right. <laughs> Your music is not the entire you. Uh, it's, an art- it's a portion of artistic expression absolutely. of yourself. It's not you. Exactly. And, uh, you know, I have, I have much respect for traditional music here. I have, um, you know, I appreciate Arabic music in general, but it's just, it's not what I like to do. And I explained to you that, you know, my origins come from Baluchistan and I speak my language, um, but I don't listen to music that comes from my homeland. That mm. doesn't mean, uh, you know, anyone should take it offensively. That's just not my taste. And my taste of music is what I like to play and sing and write. The Did you grow up speaking Belushi? Yeah. Um, actually, no, I learned it speaking to just one person, uh, my grandmother. That's my mother's mother. And uh, um, she was also, at, you know, a big part of my life. She was my caretaker as well, whenever my mother was busy. Um, so... I learned uh, Blushi from her and I'd only practice it or use it to communicate with her. Really? Um, and then uh, she passed away. And since then, I, I don't think I've used it much. Uh, so why in not? the home, it was mostly Arabic. Uh, yeah. So we're an Arabic speaking household. Yeah. yeah. And then you brought English music into that mix because of the genre that you liked. You know, everyone speaks uh, fair English at home, but uh, um, from, from our family and my, my generation, me and my cousins, I was kind of the first one to go to a private school. And the first one exposed, you know, quality Western education, I suppose. So um, I got used to being that mm. guy that kind of mixes English with Arabic at home. And yeah, so they don't speak English, but they understand it. Um, like I said, I don't think my family ever had a problem with music itself or me doing it. It's just whenever anyone else would bring it up, they kind of were like, mm, you're kind of putting us, you know under the spotlight and gotcha. people are talking. So maybe you should just, you know, calm down with this thing. Yeah. And I've, I'm, I've always been the guy that did what I wanted and I'll fight for it. I, I've done theater, I've done poetry and, and comedy. And, you know, I remember at, at one stage, it was a, an end of an academic year at school and I got home and different people got different awards for things they were known for. And I get home and I have this uh, little uh, uh, report card and it says, you know, class clown. That's something people, you know, appreciated about me. The yeah. fact that this guy is always the goofy one and funny and the guy with full of energy. And I get home and my, mom, my mom's like, you know yeah. how hard I have to work all year to make the money to send you to the school. And you come back with a certificate that says you're like the you're goofing off. Yeah. So. Because it almost look, shames the family. Yeah. So, she, so she's saying, I know you're an idiot, but you're making it acceptable for other people to see you in that same light. Yeah. And that's not, I don't want people to think you're an idiot. Yeah. Just, so you didn't understand the broader kind of I didn't cultural un- so overlays yeah, and family like, stuff. I feel like, yeah, growing up and every teenager's problem is, I think, it's the teenage phase where you really learn the biggest, um, you know, uh, lesson of life. And that is things don't always work the way you want. And I think that's, that's the biggest lesson that every teen, and it's always that age where you get to understand, because that age, you know, you really fight for what you want. Uh, and that's, you know, that's when you first start to fight yeah. for what you want. When did you first <clears throat> learn that lesson that 
you're not always going to get what you want. Was there like a quintessential story where you're like, you know, what's funny is I feel like I always got what I want with everyone around me, except my family. So with my, cause, cause I'm stubborn and they're stubborn. And if, if I think I'm stubborn, I only learned a tiny bit of how stubborn they are. You know what I mean? So I get it from them and that, that's it's hard to go head to head with. Yep. You know, every, everything you think you're really good at, you learned from people who are way better at you. Yep. Um, <laughs> so, but with people around, and I feel like that's what made my character so um, diverse outside of the house is that I felt like, okay, I can't do stuff at home, but outside of the house, that's my playground to make things work the way I want. And that's where I learned, you know, how to convince people to do things or negotiate or make friends or, you know, start issues between friends. And I would do, I would do stuff like this for fun. Just, you know, I was, I was a troublemaker and then also being, you know, a tiny guy in a group of, you know, big people, you always want to be the loudest one, be the smartest one, be the fastest one and really prove yourself. And I was always in that. So you're always competitive. Yeah. And I think I get it because also, you know, my cousins were older and the people I, 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 you know, would spend time with were older um, outside of school and whatnot. And then the people that I was with in school were always bigger in size. Yeah. So there was always... There's always yeah, places for you to you have can, to you compete. Can, you can never rest. So I go home and I... Okay, home is the place I can just be myself and I don't mind my mother pushing me around. That's fine. That's where I go to take the pushing around. But outside the house, no way. Won't accept it. I'll fight till I die. So uh, this is interesting that you're bringing this up. Um, cause I see you as two things. I see you as a creative and an artist, yeah. but more than, but more than that, cause cr- there are creatives and artists that are just like, well, I just want to be a creative and artist, like, you know, lock me in a room and I never want to see another human being and I'm happy. But I see you in, in another light as well, which is you're an entrepreneur. That's a big word. It's a big word. And I think it's put on a pedestal and, you know, everyone's putting in their Instagram byline. Yeah, everyone's an entrepreneur nowadays. But if you look at what it is that you've done, you've, you've gathered people and you've successfully in the, in the two years now launched a business. Yeah. So, it, you know, people, you know, people try to define, oh, an entrepreneur, it's, you're only an entrepreneur if X, Y, and Z. But I look at it as like, okay, scrap the word entrepreneur you were someone who is able to gather people, mm-hmm. influence people to do what you want in a way that you want it done, and then create a financial model, a small business around that as well, which that requires sales, marketing, and communication. Right. So that's what I do professionally. That's what and you I'm, do professionally. And then, and then that's what I'm trying to link now. I'm trying to take something I do for fun. And something I do professionally and then find this mix in between where I can get to do what I want to do, but still do it how I know, you know, the market requires it to be in what shape or form Yeah, and kind of meet halfway. Um, Let me interject real quick. Do you feel like some of those components came from your family? Because you said they're um, more stubborn than you. I'll tell you. As far as you being bullheaded and being able to convince people. That's what got me into marketing. Um, and bef- I studied marketing and I work in marketing. Um, but before, before that, my first uh, few experiences uh, in the working field were in sales. 
And I, I, I've done that also growing up and bargaining and negotiating. And yeah. I get that from my grandmother, for example, a lot. She'd go to all these, you know, markets and, and she'd bargain and negotiate in Indian. So my, my, in Hindi. Yeah. So my, my first mission would have been to learn the language. So I know what, you know, what on earth is going on between the two of them? Cause they look really intense and we end up going with her happy and him with a sad face something happened and i need to understand she taught you basic and, and principles of, of sales of sales and 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 bargaining, bargaining essentially and then marketing i kind of just learned i feel like both selling and marketing stuff are so linked to just relationships because we we totally. we sell and market Absolutely. between That's, each other you hit it on the head you know and and once you make the and i love psychology by the way yeah um so so once you link these things together and you understand Everyone does sales every day. Everyone does Come marketing on. every day. Everyone, we, you know, what is Instagram? We're all advertising ourselves, whether you're totally. advertising your body or your looks or your new uh, branded <laughs> shirt, uh, you know. Or your breakfast. And, and the, the end result is you're trying to create a, a value and a brand image for yourself to the people that follow you. I'm a fancy totally. person and I'm worth so much. You can be the brokest person I know. And this is, Middle Easterners know this. We all live lifestyles we can't afford just to, for us to, you know, market and sell this image of us that isn't yeah. real. And essentially that's... And that's not even Instagram's fault. We were doing this before Instagram, right? People were, you know, living a lifestyle they couldn't afford and trying to put on shows to build a certain persona and image about themselves to everyone else. Really, we use both selling and marketing and also advertising in everything we do, whether it's a conversation, whether it's a, you know, it's a pitch or an interview or. So once you just make those connections, you understand that, oh, I already know all this stuff. I just need to go back and look at the way I act with people and the way I mingle, the way I socialize, the way I make friends and lose friends and, yeah. and your personal relationships. And then what everything the you need for, to. What was the way for you learning that? Like, what was, like, how did you begin to realize that? And then how did you systematically break that down in your life to one, understand people better, understand yourself and how you're acting with those people, and then figure out how to rearrange your interactions to sell on a daily basis. That's a tough question. I don't think I ever did it that systematically or, you know, I never sat down and said, okay, today I'm going to revise everything that's happened in my life. Right. And, but I think I'm the kind of person is I take my, my, my shower time very seriously. Yeah. My shower time is when I reflect on everything I've done, whether that same day or the day before or last month or last week. And um, my thinking process generally before thinking of um, something new or solutions to problems, the first thing I like, I sit down and I say, okay, what has happened in this last phase? Just overall, try to understand everything, where I went wrong, where other people went wrong, where I was right, what I should have done. And then close that, turn the next page, okay, what do I have to do for this next coming week and next month? And I just plan things in my head and then I replan every day. And I just, I don't know, maybe it's just... Then in some ways, I, I think that is systematic. No, but I don't know when I kind of made a link between, you know... There wasn't a moment that you and made a fun link. and relationship and family. I don't know when I made that link. But you've always... What I just heard you say is that you... Maybe not always, but you've always been self-reflective. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And au essentially auditing yourself and the interactions that you have with others. I think a lot of people go through life and they're not reflecting on their self. They're not questioning themselves or other people as far as like, wait, what's really going on? 
but you're saying that on a daily basis, you get in the shower and you take time. And you're like, okay, in the last 24, 48 hours, what happened? Oh, there are these interactions. Okay. What, what was I doing? What was I feeling? What might've they been doing and feeling? Why did these interactions go positive or negative? Right. So, and, and that's not some, um, I think everyone reflects on what they do, but maybe it's the approach in, in which they, they take and how they look at things. I don't know. But I never intentionally said, this is the way I'm going to do things. Mm -hmm. I just always just kind of, yeah, I just kind of always did that. Um, maybe growing up as a kid, it came out of insecurities. You always wanted to check yourself and make sure you're in line with everything. Am I doing things right? Uh, it's, it's yeah. just me guessing right now. Yeah, no, that's um, good. But I I'm, think- I'm just thinking of the audience. If someone's listening and they're saying, that's great that sales and marketing it all comes down to people skills. Definitely. How, how do I grow in my people skills? How do I grow in- connecting and building those bonds with people? I really don't have an answer for that. You know, what's funny is every time I would study a new chapter when I was in college and I'm looking at all these, you know, um, detailed marketing techniques, for example, and I go like, it's, it's just, I had that link, right? So I'd always say, oh, I already knew that. Hmm. And I feel like a lot of people would feel the same way, even if, you know, regardless of what your major is or your profession. But if you look at uh, marketing in general or sell, selling, you'll see so many concepts, you know, they have all their fancy names and, and yada, 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 but you can link them to things. You've already done them. Oh, I've done that with that one time. And yeah. So um, that's what made me kind of more excited about it. I'm like, oh, I already know. I'm a genius. You know, all <laughs> these awesome. things they're trying to teach me, I already, you know. already know. But then I realized we all already know this. You know, I don't, it's I don't, human nature. It's crazy. And then once you realize how simple it is for you to, you know, take something new and then link it to some older things. And then suddenly this new thing makes way more sense. Yeah. So yeah, my approach is always, and I guess that's, you know, that's how computers work, right? You give them something new and then they, they take that and revise it against every piece of information and yeah. shred they have before and try to make sense out of this new thing. Yeah. We do that every day, our brains, our computers. But yeah. it's just understanding that we are doing that instead of it just happening. Exactly. And then we There's go like, activity oh, about it. why did I wake up this morning and I'm just crying on my bed? It makes zero sense. But I think a lot of, like, a lot of people, Kazi, a lot of people go through life like that. No, but a lot of people, yeah, my, my point is a lot of people right after that just go like, oh, it's just one of those days. Exactly. But no, there's no such thing as one of those days. You're crying right now because of there's a direct source to that. Now you need to just hunt down that thing through your brain. It's, you can spend a whole day. Sometimes it takes me a month to understand, you know, something I did three months ago. Totally. So, it's but just self-awareness. But, but constantly putting in that yeah. effort. And now I'm saying I did it unaware. But if you're aware and you say, okay, I'm going to try doing this thing where I kind of always revise what I do. Mm -hmm. And you do it long enough, like anything, like any skill, like playing the guitar, you do it long enough and you spend enough hours it becomes a habit. I think that is so valuable. I think we would be surprised to find out how few people self-reflect in a, in a real kind of audit sort of tangible way and are self-aware and are aware of like emotionally aware, emotionally aware of like what's going on inside of them and what's going on inside of others. I think what you just pointed out was you have to be self-aware and emotionally aware in order not just to sell something, but in order to have healthy relationships with others, because at the end of the day, selling, marketing, persuasion is all about having a healthy bond and trust with someone else, which then 
allows an interaction of financial exchange to take place? I think most people that are, you know, you have some individuals that fit in any social group. You know, you put them with anyone and they will just mingle and do it so well. Um, and I think those people are people that don't just understand themselves, but understand other people. And I think sometimes we put so much effort in understanding others. And the reason we fail to do that well enough is because you've, you've, you've skipped a step and that's un really understanding yourself. And I think we're all so alike in, in how we get to assumptions mm -hmm. or how we get to emotions that if we understand that process, then anytime you see someone mad, you can automatically go like, oh, it's one of these things, mm. you know? And very rarely is it something that's out of those. So it's, it's not, you know, it's not a solid science, but there's, uh, it's patterns. Yeah. You know, I don't know how to, this is such no, a broad no, thing. Good. And I've never put so much thought into it. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm lagging <laughs> yeah, right now. No, that's this is, great. I've never had to think like this, but I, this just kind of happens. And I, I like, I don't know. I like to think most people already kind of think like this. They just don't dive deep into it. Yeah. It's kind of like the, the program that's running in the background, but they haven't like really gone in and looked at that and kind of dove deeper into it and asked, how can I leverage this? in order to have better relationships and a healthier life. Yeah, I think I spent most of my life understanding people around me. And that's what has gotten me to a point where I really understand myself. I know I said the first step is yeah. understanding yourself, but it's for me- and, it's a yeah, cycle. Yeah, so for me, I like to think I'm a good judge of character based on that, but I've had my share of surprises. <laughs> so you, like I said, it's not a science, guys. You'll always be fooled by one or two, yeah. So, so let's back up. Let's, this was great. Let's back up the conversation a little bit. Let's high school, black nail polish. Yeah. We're still searching. Well, that was before high school. I we're think. still searching the internet to find those photos for you guys. Don't worry. Won't find them. <laughs> and, um, started writing poetry, jumped into playing guitar, kind of did the circuit, learned from multiple different guitar players here and mm -hmm. there, kind of bit torrented, uh, guitar playing. Yeah. And it was flamenco at the start, actually. That's awesome. Yeah, that's fun. What was kind of the the inception, the seed that birthed Just Jams? Um, the initial idea for Just Jams wasn't Just Jams, actually. It was just a, a physical hub, like the center. You walk in, and no matter what your creative craft is, um, there's a space for it. So there's an arts and crafts room. There's a, a photo lounge. There's a reading room. There's a a stage for events and theater and uh, performances. And why did you think that this was something that was needed? Because every creative needs space. Essentially, that's the first thing you need before a client, before an audience, before a support group, um, before even your basic equipment. You just need a space to start this um, uninterrupted. So um, we have a couple of spaces here for writers and you know designers and whatever, but it's places where you need to be quiet. So how does that apply to a musician? It doesn't. And then you still have people complaining about musicians walking around on the beach. They're getting annoying. They're on the sidewalk. Yeah. Can maybe unpack that a bit? What, what was it like before Just Jams? Everyone was just kind of on the sidewalk and beach and... Most of the time. I mean, uh, the more serious musicians get together in each other's houses and, and whatnot. But, you know, young musicians, like, for example, when I first got into guitar, I didn't have a group that's, you know, I'm, I'm close enough with musically that's going to let me into their house and mm. just jam with them. I don't know them. Yeah. Um, so they'll, they'll let me sit with them when they're jamming on the street somewhere and uh, I'll learn a, a couple of things and walk, 
walk back home. So uh, it's just one thing I personally struggled with a lot and I knew everyone around me was struggling with and we just needed space. And then besides space, we also needed shows. Um, when Just Jam started, I was doing a couple of hired gigs, but then it got boring and I was like, I know all these other cool musicians. Why aren't they getting the opportunities that I am? Mm. Um, so how can I juice my resources now for all of us to be doing what I'm doing? You know? Because yeah. it's a lot more fun anyway. And so I just, I just essentially wanted to share all this uh, opportunity that I was getting. Um, and it's been, it's been great so far. So how did it, how did it start then? So you, yeah, okay, you sorry. Around. So the first idea wasn't this. It was supposed to be for everything. And uh-huh. I realized I can't do that. Um, I don't have uh, capital to start something like that. And uh, so I said, okay, I've got a big idea. Let's chop it down and start with the first thing I can do. The easiest thing for me to do is I'm a musician uh, and I know musicians more than anyone else. So we'll start with the music. We did the music, we did the first big show, it was a hit. More than 300 people showed. Um, I made zero money out of it, I was actually on a minus, and the whole project started on like debt. So you take a small chunk here, a small chunk there, a small, the next thing you know, you're just drowning and drowning and drowning, but the, the project was, was just growing and it was crazy, and I said, okay, what's next? So we did one show after the other, one show after the other, until the, the music, nights were kind of just going great and then we slit we i decided so you start off as, with live music nights so you'd, yeah you'd have gigs and you'd go to different venues and say hey i have a bunch of musicians we want to do a gig at your spot is that what you did yes so i go i speak to a venue the process is i speak to a venue i say this is who we are um here's what we want to do i want to bring a bunch of musicians we're just gonna do a live show one musician after the other You've got 20 musicians, actually, from yeah. the day we started till now, every show we do is 20 musicians. Awesome. Moving forward, we'll shrink it down so that it's more intimate and everyone gets a fair yeah. uh, time on, on the mic. Um, but basically, you have 20 musicians coming to perform, and then you have an audience of 50 to 70 people per night coming to watch these yeah. 20 musicians. Which is great for the venue. It's great for the musicians because they get exposure, and it's great for the audience because then they get exposure to a new venue, maybe, and new musicians, right? It's like a win-win-win-win-win. Right, so people walk in, they pay an entry fee that covers the cost of our equipment and part of it goes to food. That's, so that's a guarantee as an incentive for me to the venue. I say, I'm buying food per person. Yeah. I'll spend, you know, 1.5 for that's 150 dirhams roughly per person for, you know, a bite and a drink or whatever. Yep. And then um, the musicians don't pay anything, of course, and um, they get the food, they get the platform, and then there's photography and videography. So from the from day one till today, every event we do, we document with high that's quality. Because awesome. um, again, I feel like that's where my professional background kicks in and says, I understand the value of quality content yeah. going online. And if you're not communicating about it, it doesn't exist. Absolutely. And a lot of people say, oh, why don't you post pictures? I mean, uh, videos or, you know, we want to see this stuff. But I go like, no, I just need pictures to show you how nice everything looked but I don't want to show you what happened. If you missed it, you missed it. That's where uh, the value of my event is. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. I just need these pictures to be so exciting and so enticing for you to make sure you don't miss the next one. What do you, what do you feel is about you that, um, that had the ability to gather these musicians and then gather an audience to show up at these events? I think it's because I'm always genuine with everyone. Um, sometimes uh, too transparent with, with how I feel or what I'm planning. You know, sometimes I feel like you should uh, limit how much you share with people mm. and there should be a nice balance. Uh, some, that's where, you know, I'm at fault and sometimes I just share too much. Mm. So, and, and people, people like that. 
it makes them comfortable it makes you more uh, easy to trust yeah um so like most of these guys they know exactly what the finance situation of the project right. is they know what projects are coming in what potential projects are uh you know down the scope and so i tell them everything and i tell them oh you know and i explain things yeah. i don't just say oh we got a venue we're going to do a show i try to make it clear that oh we're going to do a show with this guy and this guy also owns that other place and he's opening a new place over there gotcha. so if if we all kind of come in for this we're going to impress him and then do the next show here and then i explain to them that once he opens that one over there he's going to need someone for i explain all these processes so you're casting vision and you're not being secretive No, no, I, I can't be secretive. Um, But I think that not being secretive, so many people, right, they're so worried, kind of like of that C, uh, the executive situation, you know, before I share my big idea, you know, you need to sign an NDA. No. But with you, with your guys, you're like, look, I'm an open book. Here are my finances. I'm not making, I'm losing money on this. Yeah. Like I'm actually paying for you guys to come and play on this show. Yeah. And that gains so much trust because then you're like, oh, I'm not being used as a musician. I'd be like, oh, this guy isn't just like trying so to use Everyone's trying to me. use you always. Yeah. Everyone, everyone's trying to use you, right? Yeah. And then you're also casting vision of like, look, this is where it's going. It's not just a one-off deal, but like if we do this, then it could build to these other stepping stones. Exactly. Um, my whole plan was always to make it clear that this is a project that's only going to go forward um if we're all putting in the same effort if we're all helping out um, awesome. there's only so much i can do i can buy a pa system yeah. i have enough clients that are going to hire me to do my shows but it's boring and they're going to end up doing the same things and it's going to be boring for them as well but you know we all come together we've been to saudi um a small group of musicians got hired to go to saudi and, and perform there and then you know i've been to, to dubai a couple of times and there's opportunities that came to us from bahrain and kuwait didn't work out but yeah we're already you know now that we're we've always had musicians in Amman now that we're all working together as one force now suddenly our we're louder than before yeah now people are hearing yeah. about about musicians in Amman and they're like oh there's there's a couple of guys and girls in Amman and they're actually not quite bad and they're active you get what i mean yeah so um and that's all because we've all come together as far as effort is concerned um there's only so much you can do on your own Yeah. So how did you take the the step and the leap from saying okay, I'm gathering these 20 musicians, I'm connecting with business owners and restaurants, I'm gathering hundreds in the community, which is quite a feat to saying that's great, this engine's rolling, it's now time to take the leap and actually have a physical space just jams. Right. So what was kind of like that that signal to you that we're like we're ready. Well, it's easy. I think it's uh, it's your vision and it's it's having a target or a goal to reach, right? So I feel like most creatives are so just devoured into creating stuff and and you know all that fancy stuff, but I had a vision for where Just Jam is going to go. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm I I'm I you know, it's still the same one. It gets altered here and there, but I'm still working towards that same target. And Initially the first problem I tried to solve was space for us to do what we love right and I didn't have space so I had to connect with people that did have space and offer them value and return yeah. for them to give me the space yeah I feel like the progress of just jam and the different stages and levels of the project 
are directly proportional to the financial state it's in. Mm. So the whole project started on debts. Exactly one year later, uh, from the first event we did, we did the exact same date one year later, we did that event and then covered the cost of all the debts. It's amazing. So, you know, that was first hand proof that this is a good business model. Yeah. Fun aside, it's a yeah. good business model. This could essentially make money for all of us. Yeah. Um, but before it making money for all of us, it needs to make money for us to step up our game. So from then on, now I don't have to worry about debt, but now I need to focus on upgrading our equipment. So you do that. And then we did upgrade our equipment and we got more clients to hire us and our equipment and yada, yada, yada. And then we got to a point where we connected with one of our friends and his father owns a building and he has a space we can use and it's discounted rent. And then it's awesome. it starts there and then everyone pitches in with you know, a small amount for the water and the electricity bills and filling up the fridge, you know, and everyone comes and helps around to clean up the place. Yeah. And uh, it's a small group that financially pitches in, but the space is not limited to this small group. I said it to you right at the start. You're welcome anytime. This space is for creatives. Yeah. We have, we're jamming here all the time and anytime during the week, you'll have a a photographer lying around a videographer chilling in the corner or some designer on their tablet just it's awesome painting stuff and sometimes they're doing work for you know clients or things they want a space and you know you can go to the library and design right right but being here it's different the energy is different the environment is yeah. different you're around other creatives sometimes yeah. musicians will give you a great idea for your design and sometimes that's true a videographer will give you a great idea for your songwriting yeah we were talking about this earlier it's collaboration absolutely so uh, Just Jam, you know, stands by three pillars and those are connect, create, and collaborate. Uh, we want to connect, utilize our resources and our connections to connect amateur individuals, talents with bigger opportunities, mm-hmm. corporate opportunities. Yeah. And uh, we want to push everyone into creating something. Um, if that makes sense. Everyone has an idea, but no one starts because they don't think they're good enough. Um, or they're not at par with everyone else, but you bring them here and you make them sit in front of all the musicians and artists and creatives that they look up to. And you go yeah. like, you see, they're normal people. You pinch them, they get hurt. Yeah. You know, and if the AC is too high, they get cold. Yeah. They're normal people like yeah. you. Most of them um, are all down to earth. Exactly. And then once people come and get a glimpse of that, they go like, oh. then all those ideas I had when I was in the bathroom, um, I can actually apply and they could work too. What would you say to someone that has that has all those ideas? Maybe they're a creative. Maybe they're, you know, want to start a business. What would you say to that person to get them to start? That's tough. <laughs> Big responsibility to that answer. Yeah. Um, no one's a genius. Uh, you know, very few people in in a lifetime are mm. actual geniuses. Yeah, that's really good. Um, but everyone has a great idea. Yeah. And the people that go furthest are the people that put in more effort and are more confident about what they do. And also confidence. The thing with confidence is you might not have it at the start, but the more you do it, the more confident you get. And the biggest example is this project. The bigger it's getting, the more confident the project itself is getting. Yeah. Um, You know, um, we're aspiring to bigger things we never even considered at the start. Yeah. So like I said, set your target. It might change later, but at least least you're you're going going towards somewhere. somewhere. And then you can completely change and go in the wrong direction. Yeah. yeah. But, like but the, you're moving, right? I like what you said about ideas, that everyone has a idea or a quote unquote big idea, but you know, idea, ideas are worthless. They're worth nothing. It's the execution that you put behind the idea 
And as you, like you, as you executed on that idea, you became more confident that, wait, this is a good idea. Absolutely. And the main point I want to communicate is that everyone has a great idea. It's not everyone has a mediocre idea and some people have great ones. Everyone has a great idea at least once in their lifetime. Mm. If you understand that and you accept that, then every time you have an idea, you don't say, oh, it's a silly one. Because you and never know if that it's, is it's, the it's great only, idea. Yeah, exactly. It's only silly and, you know, after you try and fail. Yeah. And sometimes you try and fail and maybe it's still too soon to say it's silly. And I think even, even in the trying and failing, you're learning something and hopefully you're connecting with new people that can open new doors. Because oftentimes we fail because we have some, some interaction where we, we say, oh, this actually isn't going to work. And we learn from that interaction, right? I like to think that people that are more successful are people that have lost more times than they have won. Mm. Anyone that's been a winner from the start, and you have these uh, examples in, in, in business where someone starts with an idea and it's a hit, and then he starts another idea, it's a hit, and it's a hit, and it's a hit. Until at the end of the career, everything just goes boom. That's also business for you, <laughs> um, right? But the yeah. thing is, once you fall off that horse, you don't have the set of skills to get back up because you never failed in all the different yeah. aspects for you to know how to bring yourself, you know, you get what I mean? I get what you mean. So um, yeah, there's a, there's a proverb that says a, a righteous man falls seven times and gets back up again, where a wicked man just falls and stays fallen. Exactly. I know all these things sound cheesy when you say them, but, but you know, it's real. Yeah. You know, all these all these cheesy lines have truth behind them, you know? Uh, yeah. They come from somewhere that's very real. And uh, that's, it's important. I love the fact that I fail so many times. It's a challenge. It's only challenging when you know that you're going to fail a lot or you're going to fail really hard. Um, but if there's no failure in the in the equation, then it's not really exciting, is it? So what would you say to someone that's af that is afraid to fail? I always used to say this super nicely and try to slowly get them into it, but I'm done saying it nicely. Just get up and do it. Yeah. And the funny thing is, I feel like this is the main message I stand for ever in my life. If I stand for anything, I just get up and do it, whatever it is, no matter how silly it sounds. And what's funny is your last interview with... Uh, BD? No, actually the one before it, sorry. Ali. <laughs> and with Ali. yeah. At one point, he said the exact same thing. Just get up and start and do it. You have to fail. You have to start yeah. and fail and start again. And, you know, it's easier said than done, I understand. But that also should be, you know, the responsibility of, of, of you know, people around you. Or you should set that responsibility to yourself to do that for the people around you. Um, I see a lot of people around me that have ideas. For example, my group of friends, the same people I told to stop being negative and this and that. I sit with them every time I do. If someone brings up, you know, an idea and says, oh, I want to open a karak place. Everyone else will laugh about it and say, oh, it's as if we don't have enough. Yeah. But don't be that guy. I will make sure that I end that conversation with him being convinced that him opening a karak place is the best thing he'll ever do. And I'll sit with him and I'll try to plan it and say, okay, yeah. we can do it this way. We can do it that way. How can we make Karak more exciting? If there's too many Karak places, then we need to figure out another way we can sell Karak. Yeah. So, yeah. so one, apply that to yourself, but also apply it to the people around you. Force people around you to go after these ideas that they come up with. Yeah. Um, and the more we do that, the more all of us flourish together. It's accountability. I think so many people flaunt their ideas 
and like uh, I have this good idea, that good idea. And the more we talk about it, I, I believe the less hungry we become unless unless there's someone like you or someone who's holding them accountable that says, that's a great idea. Yeah, let's figure out how to sell karak. But then they're holding them accountable. They're saying, let's meet, let's get a plan. Let's figure out how to do this. Let's put action to that dream. Otherwise, if 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 you don't have people around you that's holding you accountable in a way that's championing you, saying that I believe that you can do this, people will either be like, yeah, that's a great idea. Sell more karak. Or they'll be like, that's stupid. And then I think either option, if people are like, you're the greatest, Razi, for wanting to sell karak, or you're stupid for wanting to sell karak, I think both of those options are debilitating because nothing is actually someone coming alongside you and saying, that's great. I'm going to fight for your dream too. I'm going to put my energy into you to see your dream come to pass one way or another. Absolutely. But with that being said, I also want to return to the individual himself. Don't let this become an excuse later. Not uh, having the I don't have I don't have people around me that push me towards that. You don't need people around you to push you towards ideas. When you started with Just Jams, yeah. did people think that it was a great idea or people were just like, hmm? No, no. Just Jams was definitely right away, you know it's a good idea. Because, really? because Just Jam... Um, so there's already need. There's already it an filled a need, need exactly. in the community. You know, and that's crazy because this should be a message to people that should be held accountable. Uh, you have a large number of your, uh, you know, young population, your youth, uh, especially the creatives that are hungry for space, hungry for opportunity, mm-hmm. hungry for attention, and no one's giving it to them. Um, you know, we have uh, small uh, initiatives from, you know, the private sector and the public sector and this and in that, but it's not enough. It should be you know, the place should be filled with so many things and places for them to go in and connect and collaborate and create. And But Ghazi, don't you think, at least in this region, in the Gulf, so many young people are looking to the government to provide that? We've gotten used to the government always doing things for us. We need to scratch that completely, not, you know, slowly let go of it, scratch it completely. Anything moving forward that you want to start that's essentially going to mostly do you good, or even if it was you know, um, going to benefit you and someone else, whether it's a charity organization or a football club or whatever it is. It's all on you. It's your responsibility completely. Mm-hmm. Um, don't wait for anyone's support. Don't wait for an invest. I mean, I won't say investor, but don't wait for the government sector or the private sector. You start it. And if they come and pitch in yeah. and, and, you know, then great, then great. But if they don't, but if they don't, don't complain. that's not an excuse. You can complain for all I care, sit and complain every day. But don't let that get in the way of your actions. I, I get stuff done and I move, but I complain all the time. I like to nag sometimes. It's, uh, you know, most of the time I complain through music, but, you know, that's more about relationships and, yeah. and breakups. But the point is complain, nag. And, and a lot of people hate being told to stop nagging. So for all I care, keep nagging about it, but also do the opposite and work towards what you want without expecting help from other people. Mm-hmm. And the biggest example is a project like Just Jam, you know, it costs money. It's not a lot of money for someone with, you know, capital to invest at the start. But for someone like me, I was a student when I started um, and I just quit my job to do this. So I don't have a lot of money to to do and sustain 
this, but we're still here. Yeah. And we're still going to keep going and we've got so much more to do and it's not going to stop anytime soon, but just do it. Yeah. Please <laughs> just do it. Yeah. It's as simple as that. That's why I love Nike. In Razi, last time we talked, you, we also talked a lot about collaboration and networking. Yes. This is a message, you know, that's, this applies to everyone. You don't have to be a creative. I don't care what you are. Um, you're a baker. Always connect people with opportunities. Everyone can benefit everyone. Um, we should always, there's this word in Arabic, maslaha. Um, it has all this negative shade um, from, from the local community. I don't know what it's like in the rest of the world, but it's, it's almost, I don't know how to explain it. Friends with benefits? What's wrong with friends and be- with benefits? You know, it's, it's a good thing. We want more friends with benefits. And even if they weren't your friend, if I go to a show and I hear you, you know, I hear you sing for the first time and I automatically think, you know, for my standards, you're amazing and you deserve a lot more. I don't have money to give you. I don't have a big business where I can hire you for one of my, you know, corporate gatherings. But I do know this one guy that just opened up a burger place and um, sales haven't been great. So maybe if I connect the both of you, there's nothing in it for me. Yeah. But I, I do genuinely love your music and... That guy's my friend and I'm not happy about him failing. So just connecting you two, you get what I mean? And I've had so many opportunities like this. I had this one guy at one show give me that guitar right there. I don't know if it's in the shot. Yeah, I think it is. But that's a a fancy Martin and, uh, you know, he had it pimped up and he had his own pickups and whatnot. That's an expensive guitar. That's a guitar I wouldn't, you know, dare to consider buying myself. And this guy just heard me at one of the shows and said, you know what? I've got this guitar at home. I'm not doing anything with it. You deserve it more because you're working hard at you yeah. know, becoming a better musician. Let me give you my guitar. And my ego, my Arab ego getting in the way, I said, no, I can't take it, this and that. And he said, you know what? If it makes you feel better, we'll exchange. Give me your horrible guitar and uh, <laughs> you can have this if it makes you feel better. And and it did. It did. <laughs> but <laughs> But that gesture this man made. Yeah. All of us should be doing stuff like this all the time. Just connect people with other people and don't expect anything in return, but somehow it always works out best for you as well. Um, so one thing I like to do now is I, I very actively do this and I just, anyone that asks for any favor, if, if it's within my reach, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll get it done. Even if it means, you know, I'll have less time during a day to do other things. Totally. Hell, I'll put in the effort. It might not, you know, benefit me now but it might benefit me tomorrow and sometimes it benefits you in crazy ways you just help this one guy start one thing over there yeah next thing you know he has something bigger than the project you're busy working on now and tomorrow he's but don't even think like that but just it's just the right thing to do yeah you know uh we all network we all connect with people but we never bother connecting other people with people we're always focused on us yeah connecting um but you know i don't know how to explain it it's it's something we need to do more often and practice on and, and make it a make it a thing. Yeah. It should be a thing. You know, even what you're you're pointing to, it's saying, you know, network, collaborate. But within that, it's if there's a space where you're able to help, it's gonna benefit you to help, even if you're not getting anything out of it on the front end. Um, I'll tell you one thing. And you shouldn't I'm only using this example, um, not to kind of rub it in, but rub it in. just to prove my point. You came here today for this one interview with me, right? Yep. 
I was referred to you by Ali. Ali, which you interviewed before, and he had zero value in him suggesting me to connect with you. Zero but, value. But here we are today. And then today, I've invited someone else that before you leave, I want you to meet yep. and has nothing to do with music. Yep. Zero value to me for all I can. Yep. But I just think as someone with an interesting story and he's working towards something that I could, whether he gets to it or not, but I can see it going somewhere. Um, I think that you two should connect. And the guy that I, when I called him and I said, oh, there's this guy coming all the way from Dubai and I want you to connect. And he said, oh, what for? As in, what am I going to get out of it? Right. I said, maybe nothing. It's <laughs> awesome. Because I don't know what you're going to get yeah. out of it. But to me, there's just, I feel that connecting you it's two, right. it's just right. And you never know. It's and right. maybe there's nothing out of it, but maybe tomorrow I'll connect you with someone else that might be more useful. I don't know. But I just connect people yeah. I mean, at, at zero effort. All I had to do was one phone call. That's it. I think, you know what, dovetailing off of this, I think people are, because when people have a zero sum mindset, you know, what you're talking about is an infinite, infinite sum mindset, like an infinite game. So there's a zero sum mindset says there are only so many cookies. There are only 10 cookies. If Ghazi has a cookie, that means it's one less cookie that I can have. So now we're fighting over 10 cookies. That's a zero sum mindset. There's only 10 cookies. If someone else has a cookie, that means I can't have that cookie. Okay. Then there's an infinite game mindset, which is there are an infinite amount of cookies. If someone has a million cookies, that doesn't mean I can't have a million cookies. There's always more to have. And I think part of it, it's, it's pointing to what you have is there's an abundance mindset. It's an infinite game, which is, which is saying, I'm not going to lose anything by giving away an asset, a resource of relationship, I'm actually going to gain. Because what Ali could have said is, well, I feel really cool. I'm not going to put someone else on because that's my relationship and I want to, you know, keep that safe and protected. Yeah. Even just like you were back to the earlier point in the interview, you're not hiding your finances and your model and no. your strategy. You're like, Yo, world, this is what I'm doing. This is where I'm at. Yeah. But people who are living in that fear, in this zero-sum game mindset, they would say, mm, I'm not going to connect my friend with my other friend because I might get cut out of it and I might lose because this relationships and this relationship is really important and I want to benefit from it and I can't benefit if they're connected. But that's all based out of fear. So what you're pointing to and what you're saying is, that's rubbish. Connect people. Absolutely. Um, I was just laughing when you were explaining your two mindsets. What yeah. are they called again? A zero sum game, which is there's, yeah, you know, there's a zero sum of numbers yeah. and an infinite game. Okay. The reason I was laughing is I feel like I operate based on the second assumption. The infinite. Yeah. Absolutely. I might be an optimist, but I'm also a realist. And I like to think that the first one's also true. Because you're competitive. But but then it's maybe the type of resource. Uh, you know, if we're talking about, I don't know, money or... Infinite. You know? Money is infinite. I don't know. A hundred percent because really value don't can be created. Absolutely. So, value can be created. So this comes back to selling and exchange, exactly. right? You can always create something to exchange with someone else. I like this guy. <laughs> <laughs> about time. Now we're talking. <laughs> now we're talking. Now we're talking. I think... 
I, I just, I love that. I love that you told that story about connecting and networking. And, so important. And I believe Arlie has a higher standing in your mind because he connected. And Arlie, he, he even helped you. Didn't he help you go? This is not the first time Arlie pitches. This uh, is not the first time. Yeah, he, he brought up my name in front of this other guy once before. And he heard about this uh, opportunity for musicians called the... Uh, They're a base camp by Red Bull Music Academy, and it's a super cool hub where musicians from around the region get together. And there's no lessons or workshops. It's just the right place at the right time with the right people, and you have all the resources you need. Studios, jamming rooms. And he food. connected you into that. He connected me to that. Which gave and that, you a platform for this, right? You know what's funny is I went to that, and before going to it, I thought I was the, the thing in Oman. I was getting hired everywhere, and I was making money, okay? And then also social media was just kicking in for musicians, here um, and we started getting attention for it um, so before leaving here I was like oh you know I'm it um, I, I, a lot of people don't understand my music or why I sing with my eyes closed or I sound like I have a flu but regardless I'm still getting hired every week yeah it's exciting yeah um, it is getting boring and that's where my mind started wandering into the, all these concepts of just jam but I thought I was special before going to this um, music academy and then and then I saw a real talent And what I mean by that is talent that understands they're talented. Yeah. And they and you know they understand that they're talented by watching how hard they work at themselves and at their craft. Mm. Meanwhile, I'm here trying to learn covers um, for, for people to sing along to because, uh, you know, it's a live show and people want to sing along. Yeah. You had guys that were really testing new things and trying new stuff. And I came back from there thinking... I don't know anything. <laughs> It's amazing. Uh, you know, yeah. I really don't know anything. And I, I remember just between me and myself, I was, I was at this dilemma. Am I a guitarist? Am I a songwriter? Can I call myself a creative? Am I a musician? I don't know. What's what? So that insecurity from this mm. event really just refreshed me. And I came here thinking, wow, Roman is so far behind. You know, I thought we were growing. Yeah. But then I came here so far behind. I'm sorry when it comes to music, mm. strictly that. Yeah. Um, and I'm not talking about Arabic music. I mean, we have some super talented people here, but my music, my kind of music, what I like, what my friends like, there's so much for us to do. We need to have shows every week, everywhere, big shows. Um, you know, it needs to be exciting. We need to collaborate. We need to have more genres played at these shows. So uh, big shout out to Ali. Ali's amazing. Yeah, but the the cool thing is, I love this, and it's it's growing and it's becoming more common. As I don't know about the rest of the GCC, but in Oman, bringing creatives together in spaces like this, or just bringing them together and regularly having them around each other, builds this. Because this conversation we're having now, we have regularly between us, musicians, yeah. artists, boom, 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 and we, you know, we constantly remind ourselves mm. of these values and. And you see all of us doing it. The first time I ever got into music was through another Amani uh, artist. And he's, he's doing great things all around the GCC and the region now. And uh, he's shot for some of the biggest brands. And it was all just because he connected me to the tiniest little opportunity. And next thing you know, here I am. Today. So, It's you know, amazing. you just, again, it's support groups, but. Don't, don't you think, we were, again, we had a conversation about this earlier that musicians and artists or creatives, or it doesn't even have to be that, it could be in the business world, 
they see that collaboration or joining with someone else as a threat and as competition and kind of they're saying like, well, I don't want to join up with Ghazi. I don't want to join up with Ali because, you know, then I'd have to share my profit and I wouldn't get the limelight. And what do you think about that? Do you think that working together is a benefit or do you think that it's, you know, every man for himself? Insecurities. Insecurities. That's all it is, really. I mean, if you really think you're great, you have nothing to worry about. You'll always make more money. You'll always come up with something new. You'll always find someone else to collaborate with. You'll always find a client to hire. You'll always find that. It doesn't end. Yeah. Unless you're insecure. Unless That's right. And you could be great, but you being insecure kills half of how great you are. It's true. Because you're not going to go anywhere. Because you're not going to collaborate with anyone. Because you're not going to do anything with anyone else. Because blah, 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 blah. When you went up, when you went up to Dubai and you went up th- there thinking like, I'm the man, like, I'm so awesome. And you kind of came back humbled being like, oh, I'm not, I have so, I'm, I'm okay. I have so much to grow. Did that also kind of trigger more of like, if I connect with more people and build a community, it will be better for me and for others? Or was that already in the cards? You know, I I'm not sure what exactly your question was, but before I forget, you yeah. just connected a thought in my mind is, it might be the answer to your question anyway. But I feel like also coming back from that, and with the shock of, oh, wow, we're not anywhere. Mm. And starting this whole thing where we're all doing music together and, mm. and that there's value in that. Yeah. If ever you're not as good as you normally are, you have other people to carry you. Like, I'll give you the smallest example. Exactly. Yeah. I always used to perform when I, when I get a hired gig and someone calls me directly and asks me to perform. It's me and my guitar, right? And my mellow music and sad stuff. And that's all great, but... People don't want to cry all the time. They normally go out when they don't want to cry. Mm. So then I need to, to, you know, hype it up, right? How am I going to do it? I can't. So I need a percussionist. Mm-hmm. I need a guy on the bass. And for whatever reason, I mean, I'm going to say this and they're probably going to watch this, but assuming they weren't better than me, right? Yeah. They could still carry me. Yeah. I am now of more value to my, uh, to the viewer. Yeah. Uh, with these two guys. Yeah. And the bigger this group gets, the more valuable and the more powerful I look, right? Absolutely. So some people use that against me and say that, oh, this guy's trying to get places because he's... Because he's using people. Yeah. You're you're not using people. You're helping people because you're collaborating, you're networking, you're building everyone together and you're you're adding more value by gathering everyone together. You're yes. adding more value to the venue, to the audience. To all the other band members. Yeah. I'm a drummer. I, well, I'm just going to go up and do like a drum solo. Why not? I mean, I could, yeah. but the value is a two on a scale of one to 10. Exactly. But if I put me in a band with 30 other crazy musicians, yeah. now you just blew past 10 and you're at 20, 50. I, I want to go back to that same word again, maslaha. It's not a bad word. Um, You just said you're not using them, but that's because... Also, the word use is so negative nowadays, yeah. but no, you are using people. You're using people like for, for them. I'm using you for you. I'm using you to connect you to him because he needs you right now. Yeah. Um, but tomorrow I'm going to use him for you. And essentially... I love that. I like that. So what if you say, I'm using you? That My point is, it's fine. Yeah. But now you just need to sit and say, okay, this guy is using me to get this. 
is what I'm going to get from him in return of the same is value. It's an exchange. We're back at it. It's an exchange. <laughs> and I think, and to come even further circle, I think about the guy that gave you his guitar. For whatever happened in that show, mm-hmm. he saw something in you yes. that moved something in his heart and you essentially gave him something. And the only response in his heart was because of whatever happened, I gave something I want to reciprocate by giving him my guitar because I see something in him that I say, man, I wish I worked that hard at it. I love his songs. I love his passion that resonates within me that blessed me. I want to bless him with this guitar. Right. And that goes kind of in in a way full circle to that exchange where yes, I'm using, I'm using my drummer as I'm the lead singer. I'm using the mixer and the master who's working on my album, whatever. Yeah. yeah, I'm using, but there's an exchange that's of equal or greater value on each part. Yeah. Connection. 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 I love this conversation. This is great. Um, let's wrap it up. And I want to wrap it up with this question. Yeah. If you have, you know, one, two, 10, 50, whatever, young Arab creatives and entrepreneurs, because I, I see you as both. And if you had one of them standing in front of you right now, yeah. what would your like one kind of sledgehammer piece of advice or even question that you would ask them to ask themselves? What would that one thing be? Always surround yourself with people that are bigger than you, better than you, faster than you. And that's... You know, remember me as a kid and I was always trying to prove myself? Yeah. Growing up now, sometimes I get to points where I get relaxed. That's when I try to quickly find someone else Mm. that's bigger than me, faster than me, stronger than me, quicker than me. Does that make sense? I like that answer. Because then that's always going to make me work hard at trying to prove myself. And some people go like, oh, I'm so confident and I'm so, you know, in tune with me and myself and my soul and I love myself. Mm. I don't have to prove myself to anyone. You don't have to, but by putting yourself in a position where you do, you're automatically always becoming better and better and mm. better and better and better. The, the answer of always find someone, like work with people who are better than you. Yeah. I, I find even in my own person, that's intimidating sometimes because I want to be the guy, right? That people come to that you. That people go, I'm, yeah. I'm it. Yeah. I want to be that guy too. And when I see people who are better than me, right? Then it's like, ooh, sometimes you get a little intimidated and you see them as competition. You see them as a challenger. But what you're saying is like, yeah, because they're better than you. So go make friends and learn with them. And what I love about your answer is that you're realizing that they're always someone that's better than you and you can always learn and don't let fear of being not the best or the top dog in your social sphere don't let that fear keep you from connecting with people who are better than you and constantly being humbled and hungry. Yeah. Because that's what's going to cause you to grow. We spoke a lot, you know, a lot of, a lot about business and how things work and relationships, but more creatively speaking, as an artist, I feel like it's very important for you not to be, you know, set in stone with a specific style or, you know, an approach or a color and you should always be floating. I love it. I love it more. Khazi, it was great talking. Always great chatting. Where can people find you? Where? Online. My mother's house.
I ah. joke. Yeah. <laughs> That was a really bad joke. Um, online, um, I'm everywhere. I'm on SoundCloud. Um, I have my website that I updated last three years ago. Um, Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter. I've been quite active on Twitter recently. Really? Yeah, I like it. Taking resurgency. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in to this show. Thank you. It was a little scattered. Uh, a little scattered. But, we'll, we'll uh, clean it up. I think there's some nice parts here and there. Yeah. 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 Sweet. Thank you so much. I love what you're doing, by the way. A quick shout out before we call this. Uh, yes. Before we call this a show and what is it? call it a show or wrap it. Wrap it up. Yeah. Call before, it a show. Before we wrap it up, guys, let me say, I really love what you're doing. Thank you. And I told you when you first posted your first couple of clips coming from a digital marketing guy that really appreciates quality content online. I love every little thing you're doing. I see all the little details with the sound waves Thanks, and the timer honey. and you're doing something that other people have done, but you've taken it and you've done it differently and you've made it fresh. Even the the things you're talking about, I'm sure so many other people have spoken about the same things before, for sure. but now you've put it in context for a specific audience and you know your audience and even your speakers are from that same, this guy knows what he's doing, guys. Thank you, thank you. This should be the promo clip. This should be, the, this, should be this is gonna be the intro. Yeah. Just, you know, yeah. talking me up. Yeah, definitely. Well deserved though. Really. Gazi, thank you. I, I love what you're doing. I love the space. I uh, honestly. Um, I've said it multiple times, but just the fact that you have been able to gather musicians, gather an audience, and then connect that with venues, that is an extremely valuable skill set. Not a lot of people have it. And um, yeah, I do not stop. Keep going. I, I know that so many people say that you've gone so far, but I know that your vision is way bigger than this, you know, two bedroom apartment that we're in Absolutely. right now. I know that's way bigger. And um, with that perseverance and drive and stubbornness that you have and ability to navigate problems and yeah. problem solve, you're going to make it. Inshallah. Yeah. Shukran. Thank you for listening to today's episode with Razi. You can find his info in the show notes. Please, if you found value from this podcast, share it with your friends. And we will see you next time on Own the Future. <laughs>